Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every week to Bible Crossfire at this same time. We allow you to call in, uh, ask your Bible questions, make a Bible comment. Feel free to call in. While we're waiting on our first call, I thought I would talk about the fact that the Bible teaches that Jesus is God. Now, when I say Jesus is God, I don't mean God the Father. Like, I have three sons. I'm human. So, therefore, logically, my sons would be human. So, if God has a son and God is deity, then we would expect his son, Jesus Christ, to also be deity. So, that's what I mean when I say Jesus is God. I don't mean he's the father. I mean he's God, the son, as some people say it. He's deity, just like his father. The first verse I'd like to turn to to prove that concept is John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, we know here that this phrase, the word, is referring to Jesus Christ, because verse 14, same chapter says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So this is talking about Christ when it says the word. As a matter of fact, the word is just another name for Christ. Revelation 19, 13 says, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. When, when the Bible calls Jesus the Word, it's not saying he is the Scriptures. They're not equivalent. They're two different things. We had two presidents named George Bush in the last 20 or 30 years. They're not the same person. Same name for two different men. Same name for Jesus Christ and the Scriptures, the Word. They're not the same thing. The same name for two different things. So verse 1 of John 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God, meaning Jesus Christ was with God the Father in the beginning. He's not the same as God the Father because he was with God the Father. If I'm with my wife at the grocery store, that means myself and my wife are two different persons. So the word Jesus Christ was with God, with God the Father, different than God the Father. And then it says the word was God, also deity. That proves what we're saying. Jesus is God. He's deity. Not God the Father, but he is deity. He's God. He is deity just like his father. He's God just like his father. A lot of people, a lot of churches teach that Jesus was just a man. Jesus was a man, all right, but he was also God. And John chapter 1, verse 1 proves that. In the beginning was the Word, that's Jesus, and the Word was with God. So Jesus was with God in the beginning, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. He's deity. You know, we could have seen this from Genesis 1, 26, or at least we would have, should have been clued into that fact. In the very beginning, Genesis 1, 26 is talking about God creating man. And here's how it reads. God said, let us make man in our image. Now, notice the word us is plural. And the word our is plural. So when God said, let us make man in our image, there's two words there that indicates that there's more than one person or individual entity Being in the Godhead, let us make man in our image, plural. We should have been clued into the fact from the very beginning that there's more than one person in the Godhead. There's a father, there's a son, and we see from other passages, there's the Holy Spirit. But we're talking about Jesus tonight. We're proving that he is God. John 20, verse 28 proves that. After Thomas, we sometimes call him him doubting Thomas, finally saw the prince in Jesus' hands. This, the, the scar in his side. Thomas answered and said, Acts, John 20, 28, my Lord and my God. Thomas calls Jesus God. And from Jesus' response in verse 29, 
He approves of what calm is causing. He agrees with it. Jesus is called God in Acts 20, in John 20, verse 28. Also, Acts 20, verse 28, he's called God. Let me read Acts 20, verse 28. It says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. This can't be talking about God the Father. He doesn't have any blood. This is talking obviously about Jesus. He purchased the church with his blood, but it calls him God. These elders are told to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. Well, that's Jesus, not God the Father, and he's called God. This is talking about the church of God, not the church of God the Father, but the church of Jesus Christ. He's the one that purchased the church with his blood. Jesus is called God. So we've seen three passages so far that call Jesus God. Why would anybody who says they believe the Bible want to deny that fact that Jesus is God? If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. That number is 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. Feel free to call. The lines are wide open. Any Bible question or comment on this topic or any other Bible topic, we'll do our very best to try to answer it. Now, sometimes we may have to say, I don't know the answer to that. It's better to say, I don't know, than to make something up. The Bible doesn't tell us the answer to every question anyway. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says the secret things belong to God. Not every question is answered by the Bible, but the things that we need to know to serve God acceptably are in the Bible. It tells us everything we need to know. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto good, all good works. It gives us everything we need to know. It thoroughly furnishes us into all good works. The Bible tells us everything we need to know to be saved, to be pleasing to God. It doesn't answer every question. It's not going to tell you what the square root of a 1,000 is. But if you need to know something to be saved, to be pleasing to God, you'll find it in the Bible. If it's not in the Bible, you don't need to know it. And there's no reason to speculate about things that aren't in the Bible. That's a waste of time. Just teach what's in the Bible. And if the Bible doesn't answer a question, say, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, that's obviously a prophecy about the coming child, Jesus Christ, and it calls him the mighty God. <laughs> you know, the Watchtower folks, the JWs will say, God, Jesus was a small case God, <laughs> like the judges back in the Old Testament. No, this calls him the mighty God. He's deity. He's the son of God. And, I, and as I mentioned, the son of a human would be a human, so the son of God would be God himself, not God the Father, but deity. He's also deity. Jesus is God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 8. But unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. God is talking here, and it says, Unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God. God the Father calls Jesus God. Now, if God the Father calls Jesus God, who am I to argue with God the Father? He believes 
and says that Jesus is God, how can I say that Jesus is just a man? He's not. He's deity. Was he a man? Yes, he was a man also. He became flesh, we read in John 1.14. But he was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word, that's Jesus Christ, remember, was God. He's God. Became a man. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. 877-655-6755. The number to call if you have a Bible question or comment is 877-655-6755. How about Titus chapter 2, verse 13? Here's how that reads. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, this verse is calling someone God. Who is it? It's not God the Father. It's talking about the second coming of Christ. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God. That's talking about the second coming of Christ, the glorious appearing of Christ. And it calls him God. That's what we're looking for. We're hoping for. Hoping for the second coming of Christ, the appearing of the great God, Jesus Christ. He's called God. This is like the fifth or sixth verse that we've read that just straight up calls Jesus God. Yet we have all kinds of religions, churches, supposedly, that say he's not God, that he's only a man. How about Philippians 2, 5 and 6? There we're told, that let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That's a little bit, maybe worded a little funny for us in the King James, but if you think about it, it makes a whole lot of sense. It would be robbery for me to try to claim to be equal with God because I'm not anywhere close to being equal with God. It would be robbery if I said I was as good a basketball player as LeBron James because I'm not anywhere as close as good a basketball player as LeBron James. But it wasn't robbery for Jesus Christ to be equal with God. That's not robbery because he is equal with God. He is equal with God. That makes him God. Now, what about those verses like 1 Corinthians 11, verse 3, that says the head of the woman is the man, the head of Christ is God. If God the Father is the head of Christ, doesn't that make God superior to Jesus Christ? Therefore, Jesus is not equal? No, no. The head of the woman is the man. Does that make man superior to woman? No. It just means they have different roles. So when it says God, talking about God the Father in 1 Corinthians 11.3 is head over Christ, it's not saying he's superior. They're equal. Both of them are deity. It's just saying they have different roles. One has the role of the Father. One has the role of the Son. One is subject to God. I mean, Jesus is subject to the Father. Does it mean that he's not equal with God? Philippians 2 says he is equal with God, which means he is God. It just means he has a different role. He's in subject to, he's subject to his Father, God the Father. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call. The number is 877-655-6755. 877-655-6755. How about Matthew 1, 21 through 23? This is talking about Mary. It says, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. 
Now, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. In this passage, we have, it, there's a lot of names for Christ in, given in the Bible. We saw some in Isaiah 9, verse 6 before. We saw one in Revelation 19, uh, verse 13. He, he has another name, the Word of God. There's two names for Jesus in this passage in Matthew 1, Jesus and Emmanuel. And that second name, Emmanuel, means God with us. So Jesus was God with us. That perfectly describes Jesus. He's deity. He was God, but he was with us. He came to this earth to walk with men, to be among men, to show us, show men how to how to live, to teach the truth, the gospel. He was God with us. God here on this earth. He became. He took upon flesh. John one fourteen. He became a man. That didn't mean he stopped being God. That just means he also became a man. God and man. God and man. How about 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16? 1 Timothy 3, 16 reads this way. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. Now, who is that describing? Well... Is someone that was called God that was manifest in the flesh. Well, that's not God the Father. God the Father didn't take upon himself flesh. This was somebody that was preached unto the Gentiles. That's the Jesus, isn't it? Believed on in the world. That's Jesus. Received up in the glory. That's talking about Jesus' Jesus's ascension into heaven. All of those things describe Jesus, and he's called God in this verse. So he's not just a man. He's God. He's deity. And then one more verse I want to look at. Romans chapter 9, verse 5. Whose are the fathers and of whom, as concerning the flesh, Christ came, who is over all, God blessed forever. Christ, this is talking about Christ. Christ came. He's over all. He's God blessed forever. We've looked at eight or ten passages. All of them say, prove Jesus is God. You willing to accept that? Well, a lot of people will accept it on the surface. But what does it mean when we say Jesus is God? What would that mean we should do with our life? If he's not just a man, but he's God himself. Now, I didn't say God the Father. He's God the Son. If he's not just a man, but God himself, wouldn't that mean we should be obedient to him? That we should serve him with all our heart, soul, and mind? If he's God, I think so. I would think so. Well, the Bible teaches that in many places. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 9 says, talk about Jesus. It says he became the author or the source of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. So we have to obey Jesus to receive the eternal salvation provided for by the Jesus, provided for by the death of Christ. Now, people get confused. They get the relationship with a faith and works mixed up. They seem to think if we have to obey God, if we have to obey Jesus, that means we're not saved by grace or by faith. No, I think Hebrews 5, 9 explains that rather well. Jesus is the source of our eternal salvation. 
Do we have to obey him? Yeah, he's the source of eternal salvation to all of them that obey him. So only those that obey Jesus are going to be saved, receive eternal salvation. But the fact that we have to obey Jesus to be saved, does that make us the source, the author of our own salvation? No. <laughs> Jesus is the author, the source to all those that obey him. So even though we have to obey Jesus to be saved, that doesn't change the fact that salvation is by grace. But still, Jesus is the author of source of, of, of our eternal salvation to all those that obey him. So we do have to obey Christ to be saved. We're saved by grace through faith. That doesn't mean we don't have to obey him. Remember the walls of Jericho? The walls of Jericho fell. Of course, God knocked them down, Joshua 6, but they had to walk around the walls, the Israelites, 13 times in seven days for God to be willing to knock them down. Just They had to walk for them to fall, but the, the walking didn't knock the walls down. God did. It's the same way with our obedience. Uh, even our faith, our faith and our obedience are just conditions we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ. They don't save us, not in the sense we're talking about here. They're not the grounds or the basis of our uh, of our salvation. No, the death of Christ is. They're just conditions we have to meet in order to be saved by the death of Christ, like the walls of Jericho. The walking around the walls didn't knock the walls down. They were just conditions the Israelites had to meet in order for God to knock those walls down. William from Colorado, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yeah, hello, Patrick. I'd like to commend you on your broadcast this afternoon. It's uh, it's you know, it's a very welcome change of pace. You're not making people feel less than. I, I really enjoy <laughs> it today. <laughs> Appreciate your call, William. Appreciate the encouragement. All right. Thank you, Pat. You have a good evening. You know, what William might have been referring to is when when sometimes Bible teachers have to preach against sin. And when you preach against sin, it can make people who are in sin, living in sin, feel less than. For example, when we preach that whoever puts away their wife, except it be for fornication, and marries another commits adultery, like what Jesus said in Matthew 19, 9, then those people who are in second and third marriages that violate Matthew 19, 9, are going to feel less than until they repent and get forgiveness. But a lot of people who are in unscriptural marriages aren't willing to repent. When we teach that what Jesus said in Mark 16, 16, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, well, that can make people who have not been believed in Christ or have not been baptized into Christ, Galatians 3, 27, that might make them feel less than because they have not obeyed the gospel. They either hadn't believed in Christ or have not been baptized. And according to Jesus, you can't be saved unless you believe and are baptized. So, yeah, a person that is not living in obedience to God is going to feel less than if a Bible teacher starts teaching you have to live in obedience to God. But isn't, this, isn't what, that what these verses that we're going over right now say? James 2.24 says, By works a man is justified and not by faith only. You know, a lot of preachers will say you're saved by faith only, but the Bible clearly denies that says you're justified by works and not by faith only. In Matthew 7, 21, the Bible talks says that he that doeth the will of my Father shall enter into heaven. Not everyone that saith in me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. You have to do the will of the Father to be saved. Belief all by itself is not good enough. If you have a Bible question or comment, 
The lines are wide open again, 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or comment, give us a call at 877-655-6755. You know, the first part of 1 Peter 1.22 says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth. Well, obviously then you have to obey the truth to be purified from your sins. A lot of people say, all you got to do is have faith. It's true. Acts 15.9 says you purify your hearts through faith. You have to have faith to be purified from your sins. But you also have to obey the truth to be purified from your sins, according to 1 Peter 1.22. takes obedience. And that's what we're talking about tonight. Jesus is God. Now, if he's God, that makes him the ultimate boss. We ought to obey him. We ought to respect him. We ought to love him. We ought to obey him because he's God. Jesus said in Luke 6, verse 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? You know, if Jesus is really Lord, that's the equivalent to the word boss. He's our ultimate boss, being God, being deity. If we're not doing what he says, then we're just paying lip service to him. That's what Jesus' point is. You can't just call Jesus Lord of your life. you got to make him Lord of your life. Jesus said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. You know, I could show my wife that I love her by kissing her. I can't do that with God. He's not here. The way I demonstrate to him that I love him is by keeping his commandments. And if I'm not keeping his commandments, that shows that I really don't love him like I ought to. Now, a sister passage to that, John 15, 14, Jesus said, You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Now, unless I don't know how to read English, that implies that if we don't do what Jesus commands, we're not his friend. And we can't be saved if we're not a friend of Jesus, can we? <laughs> so all of these preachers out here saying you're saved by faith alone, they're, they're just contradicting basically every page in the Bible which teaches that obedience is also necessary to salvation. The Bible teaches we're justified by faith, but it never says you're justified by faith alone. It does say you're justified by works and not by faith alone, yet preachers and churches and Creed books for churches will continue to say, you say by faith alone. Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 says this, In flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God is going to take vengeance with flaming fire upon certain people. Well, that's obviously talking about H-E-L-L, the bad place. Who's he going to take Vengeance on with flaming fire. Who's going to this bad place? Those that don't know God and that obey not the gospel. Know God would be equivalent to believing in God, trusting in God. So it's just like the hymn says, one of my favorites, trust and obey. You have to trust and obey to be pleasing to God. This one says you have to know God and you have to obey the gospel. So don't think, well, I believe in God, therefore I'm saved even though I'm not obeying him. No, you have to obey the gospel. A lot of people out there think they're Christians and they don't have a clue what obeying the gospel means. They never studied it. Their preachers never talk about it. But this verse and a bunch of other verses say you have to obey the gospel to be saved. What does that mean, obeying the gospel? It's a good research question for you, isn't it? Jesus is God, therefore we should we have to obey him. Revelation chapter 22, verse 14 says, Blessed are they that do his commandments that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Well, what city is that talking about? It's the city of heaven. 
there we're going to have access to the tree of life. You know, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had access to the tree of life. As long as they could partake of that, they would live physically forever. If we're in heaven, we'll have access to the tree of life. We'll be able to partake of that and live spiritually forever. But according to this verse, who has the right to go there? Who has the right to go to the city of heaven and partake of the tree of life? It says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates to the city. So only those that do his commandments have the right to go to heaven. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Very clear. Deuteronomy 5.29 in the Old Testament says, Oh, that there was such a heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. God expects us to keep all of his commandments always, meaning all the time till the end of our life. And we have to have the right kind of heart to do that, according to that verse. Deuteronomy 5.29. If you want to have a free one-hour phone Bible study with me at your convenience, call or text me at 256-682-9753.